podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro. We're currently live on Discord as well, so welcome to anyone listening live and welcome to you if you're listening delayed on the podcast. I am podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland and I'm still Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Villarreal 2, Liverpool 3 for a 2-5 overall win for the Reds in the second leg of the Champions League semi-final from the Estadio de la Ceramica are Dave Hendrick and Carl Madgett. Um, one of the maddest games I can recall, Dave, in terms of the contrast um, on display. For all that we were wretched in that second half, we were right back at it. I, I Honestly, I'm looking at my notes here, there's almost nothing of note from them in the second half. It's, um, it, it's really that perfect example of that oldest of football cliches, isn't it? It is. It is massively, Trev. Um, we should start by giving massive kudos to the manager who made big calls pre-game and then decided at half time to trust the world-class footballers, the best players that he has, by leaving them on the pitch. And by those, I mean Thiago, Fabinho and Naby Keita in the middle of the park. Because if Twitter or your phone or your computer could give off a scent... LFC Twitter would have smelt of urine at halftime. The collective bedwetting that went on and the demands for change and the demands to sell certain players were an embarrassment. But Klopp knew what he was doing, made the change that needed to be made because it was obvious in that first half. The biggest problem we had was we just couldn't get out. Nobody in the front line could hold the ball up. Yeah, it wasn't sticking anywhere. Wasn't stick anywhere, and the midfield was getting overrun because their two fullbacks were just running off the back of our forwards as the ball bounced off Jota and Mane, who decided to play a game of curbs instead of playing football in the first half. Their fullbacks joined the midfield. They already had four against three in there initially, so of course they were getting the advantage in midfield. They were swamping us six v v three, but the issue wasn't the midfield. The issue was the attack. Yes, the midfield could have done better when we had the ball. But they were getting overrun and harried. There was two men pressing every single one of ours in the second half. I said it at half time, as everyone else was melting down and demanding that each midfielder got taken off to bring on the captain. I said the guy we're missing here is Bobby, someone who'll hold the ball up and also someone that will give us that extra man in midfield. We didn't have Bobby tonight. Instead, we had Luis Diaz, who held the ball up, who carried the ball, who drove them backwards, who brought the fight in the game to them. Every single time he got the ball, it was panic stations in the Villarreal defence. That kid was unbelievable when he came on tonight. I said before we signed him, this kid is a cross between Mane and Suarez. 
He is the most exciting footballer we have had since Suarez. He's different class. The midfield stepped up second half. The defence were able to get out. And we were unbelievably good in the second half. Unbelievably good. Yes, we were shocking in the first half. It's a European Cup semi-final away. They're going to be tough. And in fairness, lads, it's Liverpool. We can't get to a European Cup final or win a European Cup without at least one comeback. Well, on the, in that first half, um, you were able to see um, man-mountain superheroes like Robbo and Virgil misplacing passes, Thiago and Fab misplacing passes, forwards with the ball bouncing off them. And like you said, we needed a change. It, it was jumping out at me as well that Diaz needed to come on because Diaz has one thing he's done since he's, he started with the club is retain the ball, and that's what mm. we needed. And tonight... We didn't need him necessarily to be Diaz that we've seen. We needed him to be Bobby with pace, and he did it, and that made all the difference. And um, I wouldn't mind Carl getting your immediate reactions as well before we uh, get too deep into any specifics, because I mean, overall, the 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 emotional roller coaster of it is it was was fairly intense. I mean, I, I you know I, I doubt I'm alone here and saying I'm fairly shattered after that because it was so awful. I mean we, we can't put we can't put too much of a gloss on it or try to narrow it down to any one specific thing. The the passing um was absolutely atrocious all across the park from all of our players in that first half. And the transformation then just you know with that one change and with a little bit of um a re- restoration of whatever coherence we not were used to seeing. Um, it, w- it was a, w- a remarkable contrast. How, how, how are you bearing up after all that? Like, it's, like I say, pretty traumatic <laughs> 90 minutes to endure. It was. I mean, look, I've spoken about this before. I think we're really, 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 really good as a team. And with that kind comes a, com- a kind of expectation that we're going to play that way all the time. We're going to dominate matches all the time. Like Dave just said, it's Champions League semi-final. You can't get to this stage and expect that you're just going to walk all over teams every single time. Now, I know that we did, obviously, in the first leg to a huge extent because of the way they set out and everything, but you, whoever you play, whichever side of the draw you're on or whatever, you're going to have to fight your way to the final if you want to get there. You're going to have to prove that you're the best in all different ways, and that includes coming up against adversity and overcoming terrible performances at times and doing enough across two legs. That's the point of this competition. Um, so I'm not, although obviously it was a terrible, terrible first half, like as abysmal as it's been this calendar year for sure. I can't say that I'm angry or upset or even surprised to an extent that we struggled, uh, maybe not quite to the extent that we did, but at any point, you know, because it was always going to happen. What did this team have to lose? Villarreal at home in front of their own fans, biggest or second biggest game in their history. And they were 2-0 down. They had to go for it. So what do we expect, you know? It's okay that our players were not at their absolute best for 45 minutes of the last month when they still had enough fortitude and control from the coach and staff and belief in their own abilities and technical quality to overcome it by full time. Can we also and- just can we also just take a minute as well just to recognise Villarreal and what they've brought to the Champions League this season? Because... I think because it's Liverpool who've played them, they've just been written off, and it's like, oh, look at Liverpool getting the easy draw. When Ajax got to a Champions League final, a Champions League semi final a couple of years ago, there was none of that. This Villarreal team would beat that Ajax team. This Villarreal team won the Europa League last year 
they were a really good team with really good players throughout their squad. This team would beat that Ajax team, but when it was that Ajax team, all it was was, what a great story, Ajax returning to the European elite. But because it's some small club from a rural part of Spain, people just want to write them off like some kind of imposters. It's the most bizarre thing I've seen. This Villarreal team deserve huge credit. That's a wonderful club with an incredible set of fans who are probably still there singing their hearts out for their heroes. They deserve huge credit. Like like Carl said, 2-0 down in front of their homes, their home fans, they had to come out and give it everything. And they did. And it just wasn't enough because we're that good. But it took us being at our best in that second half or close to it. And people should recognise this wasn't some easy draw. We made it look easy in the first leg. Tonight they showed what they're all about and we showed what we're all about in that second half. For reasons of balance, I'm just going to add to your glowing tribute of Villarreal that I'd like to fight Coquelin and La Celso together. Yes. Uh, that's just the thing that I want to do. Um, we should start by having a look at the teams as we usually do now. And we've kind of, I, th- I think, already talked around the Reds uh, team by talking about how Jurgen went with, you know, what is normally going to have the highest control midfield. Um, and uh, he went with Jota as opposed to Diaz. They were the choices. And Ibu Kanata comes in instead of uh, Joel Matip. They were the choices he made. Um, I had a conversation with somebody recently. I've had a couple of conversations along this line. There is a certain element of, does it really matter when we've got loads of good lads in decent form playing well? It was always just going to be about who he preferred on the night. I will admit to being surprised that he went with Jota in the starting lineup as opposed to Diaz from the start. I think the game's different from the start if we have Diaz there and it's not to denigrate Jada because he wasn't on his own and being able to and not not being able to influence the game but I don't know if there's a huge amount more to say about it if either of you want to add your tuppence worth on the Liverpool lineup please do as we come to it but let's start by looking at that um Villarreal team uh and on the night as he did in the first leg the goalkeeper really uh you've got to say he's an oddball and he's probably uh, he's probably central to the concession of the goals uh, in a real way. And in any time we manage an attack, and they were precious few, let's be honest. I mean, I'm just looking at the stats there. It's 15 attempts by us to five by them. If we had one in the first half, that was it. I'd say if they had all their five, I'd say in the first half. So we, we didn't really put him under any pressure. But when he came under pressure you could see some odd decisions by that guy. He loves a punch. He loves to wander out of his area. In Foyth, they've got a lad who, you know, some people remember from Spurs. He's got a lot of narc in him, fair play. Uh, Albiol, um, fair play to him, managed to foul um, Sadio Mane about 89 times uh, in that first half uh, and and early in the second half and not not even get cards, I don't think. Pau Torres um, with a beautiful uh, effort at halving Sadio towards the end of the half there. And Estupinian on the other side had a solid game as well, but they're a good unit. We've said that before. Lo Celso, Capu and Parejo could hardly have done uh, worse than they did previously. And they all stepped up their game. The energy was very high. I thought Coquelin, Moreno, Dia. Moreno probably not able to influence the game the way he'd like to. Uh, Dia gets his goal. Coquelin gets his goal. On the bench, they have uh, Asenio Jorgensen. They've got Mario Gaspar. They've got Paco Alcacer. They've got Ibora. 
Chiguezi, uh, Trigueros, Peña, Mandy, Moy Gomez, Pedraza, who came on as well with Aurier. Now, you guys had a good look at this in um, advance, so I want to get a take from both of you on them. Dave, we just heard you talk about how good they are. Carl, let me let let me let me get your your take on that club, Carl, uh, and that particular team that they put out and whether or not it was the best choice by Emery on the night. Uh probably because Arnold Dan Juma wasn't there, so I wasn't expecting that to be fair. They'd kept that one pretty quiet all the way through. Um throwing in Moreno from the start was obviously their big gamble uh, but i think that that was a direct consequence of not having dan juma to be fair um did mention actually bull idea in the in the scouted and only briefly in passing but i thought he played pretty well tonight in his hold up play and his run of the channels um gave trent and canate a few issues with you know just constant movement really and, and quite good strength as well the rest of it was pretty much as expected uh very very narrow four in midfield hard work and tucking in every time they could Carcalan, oh my god, I'm on Team Trev for your start of the pod statement there. He was a pain in the ass all night long. Um, nothing really to add apart from... I, I mean, I think Manu Drieros is a really, really good player. I think as a, a central midfielder, maybe even one of their tucked-in ones, he's maybe a better option to play for them, but you can kind of see why they wanted Carcalan, given what he did tonight in terms of the break and play up and being a general annoyance and uh, also scoring a goal, which is a very, very rare occurrence. I don't think he was in the team for that. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was an interesting lineup. And Dave, to, 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 to let you get specific on on individuals as opposed to in general around the club, which you, you were just speaking about, um, they showed up in a big way tonight. Now, it is a combination. Uh, it is a combination of the fact that... Um, we were unusually like 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 stunningly lax uh in our passing like so atypically so that it it was it, it was almost amusing if it wasn't so absolutely fucking out, uh, enraging um but a huge amount of credit has to go to them because i don't think i've seen a team as energetic and aggressive against us for a co- constantly for 45 minutes as that half by them, and that's a lot of credit to the personnel that were on the park. It is, but at the same time, Trev, if we look back at that first half, we had massive opportunities. We didn't create anything from them, but they were leaving themselves wide open down our right, their left, and we played a bunch of balls over the top for Salah, and either the pass was too long or Mo couldn't get it under control. In a normal game, you feel like that aggressiveness from them comes back to haunt them and we get a couple of opportunities and at least a goal but we were just everybody was off it in the first half most they were right up for it uh, Emery had rested a bunch of players at the weekend he kept I think Pareo started Torres started I want to say that's actually it maybe that started at the weekend maybe Dia started I can't remember but you could tell their lads were fresh and they flew into the game and they were aggressive. Pareo, Kapue, and Kokiin just constantly harrying our lads. Astupin and and Fo- and Foyt stepping up into midfield. Moreno finding little pockets in behind, but also pressing Fabinho from behind. So Fab never got a chance to settle on the ball. Thiago didn't get a chance. Naby didn't get a chance. Naby didn't help himself with at least one very questionable pass in the wrong direction. But 
Someone tweeted, and I, I, I want to give credit, but I can't find it. It may actually have been Carl. You know Liverpool are rattled when Thiago tries to play a simple 10-yard pass to Andy Robertson and puts it straight out of play. And that sort of summed up our first half. Mm. We couldn't do the basics right. So when we tried to do anything over the top or fancy, we were getting that wrong as well. But look, massive credit has to go to them. I was stunned that Moreno started because all the reports were if he can come on for 20 minutes, that's probably it. Um, the Danjuma thing that obviously kept quiet, but credit to Henry Jackson. He had it in his 10 things to know before this game piece on this is Anfield. He had that this morning, but I'm not sure where he got that info or how he got that info, but he had it anyway. Uh, so that was the first I realized that Danjuma wasn't going to be available. And that was, I thought, brilliant. No Danjuma. Moreno's not fit to start. They've no one to play up front. And then Moreno turns up and he, he has a really good 45. His flicks and his tricks are coming off and he's linking play and giving them their out ball so they can play into him. He can hold it up and bring players in. Whereas at the other end, we were lumping it up to the Chuckle Brothers who were just gifting it back to them and they were just swamping <laughs> forward on top of us again. Uh, it was just, it was so such a mad first half. Yeah, I don't it, know that we'll see a collection of players as good as that Liverpool team in the first half ever play as badly as that no, again. I like honestly I say, don't. We still, we still could have had something because they were leaving themselves wide open down their left. We, we could have, but the, the, the reality is that the chances were spurned because of bad technique, which was the story of the first half. Um, <clears throat> very interesting performance from um, our uh, Dutch pal, Danny McKelly, uh, in the centre of the park, uh, blown his whistle. I honestly don't know what to make of this lad. He, to me, looks like uh, the average accountant who hits the gym on the weekends uh, and has he, he has that swagger about him uh, that he he looks as if he's just basically so assured in everything that he says. I guarantee you he's got stock tips. He can tell you who's going to win a new market. He's just one of them lads. And I have to his, say... His Twitter bio, Trev, says financial trader. No way. Trader. I was right. I, I, no, I don't know if it does. I'm joking. But it's a financial <laughs> trader slash... Gym fanatic slash outdoorsman. That's the type oh, of game. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah uh, uh, hit me up for crypto advice in the side in brackets as well. I, I, I've, 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 I'm interested in him as a character, but he got a lot of calls wrong tonight and he was trying to let the game flow at times and making a balls of it. I think they got away and got indulged far too much at wild tackles, which on another night could have left our squad decimated, I'll be honest with you. And we'll talk about that as we go. We might as well get into the details of the match itself. And Carl, we'll start, um, you and I, because the game starts in a very dramatic fashion with them getting the early goal in three minutes um, via Dia. Uh, it's Estupinan with a ball in from the left. Uh, Kapu gets there on the far side and on the blind side of Robbo uh, to centre the ball and Dia, uh, moving in from the far side, sweeps the ball home. That's a nice move and it's a well-executed move, but you'd have to say there are issues all around the Liverpool team there when it comes to the concession of it. I'd be interested in your take before you and I go on and look at a few more moments in the first half of the first half. <laughs> this was um, very, very early on in the game, and yet it was not in the first two or three things that I'd picked out that we were not doing very nicely at all. 
there was already a couple of things in midfield where we weren't really quite at it in terms of the first touch. The the pass wasn't in the normal direction. You know how we have this real, real evident um, pattern to play that we have through midfield. You can identify immediately that it's a Liverpool move because it goes into, uh, let's say, Fabinho and then to one of the side centre-backs and then it's a switch across to the other side of the pitch and then we're out down with the opposite fullback. None of this happened in the first few minutes. It was everybody's first touch was looked a little bit heavy. That didn't just look quite the same energy that they had, obviously. And then for the goal itself, I mean, we we'll go through the other one obviously later on, but they, they were basically the same. They were give the ball away, not put pressure on the ball, not stop the cross, and not uh, attack the arrival of the ball. Different, slightly different finishes for the goals themselves, but both of those were the same thing. So I think the bigger issue there was also. I'm not sure how it happened. I looked at the replay two or three times, and I still am not sure. But Kanati and Van Dijk actually got swapped over at some point. So we had Kanati on the left of the two, and it wasn't exactly a great positional uh, alignment for the pair of them either. But then I'm not sure if it was because of that that Van Dijk doesn't spot. Um, uh, dear, sorry, coming back across him after the header goes back across goal or the first touch goes back across goal. So it was a mess all around. It wasn't really well set out. It wasn't... Obviously, we hadn't really got ourselves into a rhythm at any stage of that. Uh, I'm not really sure why Ali ended up in the back of the net either, unless it was just because he thought Kapoor was going to uh, take the shot first time. And I'm, I, I kind of think that he was trying to as well. It looks like it comes off his heel, but he's maybe trying to steer it back across goal into the far post. Um, but it, you know, either way, it was a great start for them. Really, really bad for us. And not just because it ended up in the back of the net, but just because of where everyone was on the pitch. Well, let's stick with it, you and I, and look at um, a few incidents uh, as well. Right up, we'll take it at least the first half of the first half um, before I go, give Dave the joy of talking about their second goal. Because on 10 minutes, one of those sort of half attempts, efforts, possibilities occurs where Jolly gets onto a Robbo uh, free kick, but the contact on it is just sort of, it's almost as if he doesn't see it until the last minute. There's one with Sadio is almost identical later on from a Trent free kick and it just sort of dribbles wide. Thiago then hits the bar after Naby Keita had won the ball um, in their box. Um, it, it works its way to Thiago. It's a good hit, but um, that's 14 minutes. But the ref calls for a, a foul by Naby Keita. And I thought that was harsh, I'll have to say. 15 minutes, we needed a really decent navigated clearance after a Moreno header at Robbo was breaking into a dangerous situation there in our box. There was a bit of a token effort by Naby on 17 minutes with a couple of lads he could have played in um, instead of taking the poor shot he took. And Coquelin at this stage has gone down three times at least at this point. He's diving around like an absolute clown. Lo Celso was very guilty of this as well. Capu tried a few, but he was more kind of uh, leaving a bit on and tackles. And then on 23 minutes, Jota got played in by Mo Salah. It was a bad touch, but Mo got onto it to rob the keeper and shoot wide. There's no foul. No foul, and yet a foul is given. The first of many questionable Danny calls at this point. And again, Coquelin, again, La Celso acting like rats at this stage in the game already. And then I think by about half hour mark, which is where we'll leave it, I've made a note here that Albiol had either either fouled quite cynically or gone in pretty hard through the back of Sadio Mane at least four times. And not even, um, free kicks only given, I think, on two of those occasions. 
certainly no yellow cards. So it's a bit like what they were saying. We we had opportunities where we could have done something, but our technique was sort of universally awful throughout the team. Um, and they had uh, moment, uh, momentum and, and energy and all those things you would expect, as you said very eloquently earlier on, you would expect a team in their position to have, they displayed them. And that's probably a half-decent summary of that uh, first half hour, Carl. Yeah, I think so. Um, kind of with you on the uh, the Jota Salah opportunity foul. I don't think there was anything there at all. I wonder whether he gave it thinking that maybe Jota pushed Albiol into the keeper. That was the only thing that I could come up with that was not even maybe happened, but it didn't. Um, I really didn't like the way that uh, Rui and I think it was Albiol as well came over to Salah and started having a go at him that he kicked the ball out of his hands. It was never near his hands. In fact, it was never near Rui's hands all game long. So I don't know what they were complaining about for that. It was obviously just a attempt to uh, unsettle or intimidate him or whatever. Um, didn't really seem to do anything at all. I wasn't that bothered by it, just hands up or whatever. Uh, but look, all during that period, aside from the fact that a few of the direct passes did put us in behind their defence because they were playing a lot higher upfield than I would have expected them to be with that defence. Uh, they they you know, obviously were on the front foot and they were trying to keep us under pressure and all that. That's fine, but they weren't dropping off very quickly. So a few of those direct passes being a little bit better, like we saw a, a Virgil... Uh, ball from deep which is usually pinpoint it, it just went straight there was no angle on it. it went straight otherwise we could have been in Trent with a couple of them over the top which normally we would have been in he would have put a bit of backspin on them as well and he didn't um, so we, we should have done a little bit better but I think that those passes were just you know symptomatic or representative if you like of that first half of the first half where it was lacking control and we didn't really have any composure to our game we were probably unsettled by how aggressive they were, and uh, it did feel like not everything went against us. I wouldn't say that. I don't think it was you know against us to that extent, but I, I don't think we made it easy for ourselves either. There was a lot of simple things we could have done, a lot of opportunities that we had to uh, start replicating those patterns I was talking about, going from one centre-back to the other, to the other side of the pitch and building down there like we do, and we didn't. You know, We tried to go direct, we tried to go long, we tried to force the issue a little bit too much, the midfielders were definitely off their game in terms of passing and the first touch and the spaces that they move into. I think Thiago, the, the only time he really did that sort of iconic shoulder drop that he does sometimes to get away from a challenge coming from behind him, he did get away from him and then pass the ball straight out of play. And that was kind of uh, summed up that first half for me. It, it really did. That moment stuck with me as well, I have to say. It was like, oh, are we? Oh, you know, it was that exactly thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my podcast chum, Jan Malby, always says, uh, lads, that, you know, if you're having a bad game, what you do is you just strip it back and you start doing the simple things and you make sure that you get them right. Um, and so you stop trying adventurous passes and you just make sure you make your pass clean to the person beside you or whoever you're aiming at. And that's really that collective mindset needed to take hold and it didn't. And, and Dave, like the second half really ends on a downer because, and feel free to harken back to anything you want to talk to, talk about that we've already sort of gone through because there are a couple of things here that happen at the end of the second half. First of all, we need Ali to be absolutely brilliant in a 1v1 uh, mm -hmm. versus La Celso. Um, I think it's, 
uh, the right hand side of the midfield. I think it's I think it was Naby who got caught in possession. The ball broke anyway. There's a nice through ball played. Um, Lacelso's in, and Ali is absolutely fan bloody tastic. He waits, he waits, he drops at the right moment, and makes sure that he gets to the ball first. Um, and to be fair to Danny McKelly, he gets it. He he calls it right, and that was a big decision. And it could have gone to VAR if he had bottled it. And then you don't know what's going to happen. It'd be one of those ones they could have been looking at for 79 hours. But they did actually seem to, They obviously they had to check in and they seemed to get it right as well. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, before you know it, uh, on 40 minutes, it's back level. Um, I think we did have a chance towards the end, but it didn't matter because we were offside and it was very anticlimactic. Um, the second goal for them is from, of all people, um, ex Arsenal man Coquelin. It's I've got, I'm I'm going to call it here. I think it's mostly mostly on Robbo. This he loses the ball on the left, an absolutely terrible ball down the side. One of those ones that he makes with ease. But it's not it's not like he's the only one. But it was it was particularly shit pass. Coughs up possession. They come back at us. Now as they come back at us, uh, Capu is on that flank, and Robbo for reasons. Decides to back off like he's staggering back half drunk. He gives him plenty of space. Uh, Capu cuts back onto his left foot, swings it over, and Trent is sort of very flat footed as Cochrane gets a nice contact to head it uh, way uh, into the left hand corner of the net as, he, as he's facing it, uh, leaving Ali absolutely stranded. There's a lot going on like there was with the first one that I'd like to hear your take on, Dave, in round the concession of that goal. Yeah, I, I put it basically squarely on Andy Robertson. Before we signed Andy Robertson, when you watched him play for Hull, he wasn't necessarily a good defender, but what, what, he, what he was was really aggressive. I think that's what really drew Liverpool to buying him was how aggressive he was in his defensive work and the effort that he put in. And that was just really lazy defending. Really, really lazy defending. It's Etienne Kapui. Like, you can't get beaten by Etienne Kapui, and, and you can't just back off him and let him cross like that. He's not Neymar or Messi or somebody like it's, he. It's Etienne Kapui. He's, he's made his career out of kicking people in midfield, and yeah. you've just made him look like prime Rude Hullet. Um, the, like you said, the pass is so poor, and the pass bit like the Thiago one I mentioned earlier, kind of just summed up where we were at this moment. He he does really badly on the ball. Then he does even worse off the ball. It's a good cross by Kapue. Trent, yeah, like you said, he got flat-footed. He seemed completely surprised by the arrival of Cocaine over his shoulder. Let's give the, the two Villarreal boys credit. It's It's good work from... Um, from Kapue, it's a good cross and it's a really good run and a, and a good header by Cockeen, but it, it's entirely of our own doing. Like there's there's nothing there that we can't prevent quite easily and that we don't prevent in most games. But for whatever reason, we just seemed shell shocked. It, it just seemed like our lads were walking around in a bit of a daze, and that was sort of you know my my thinking at half time as well. Is all Klopp doesn't need to bollock these lads. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember the World Cup final where Ronaldo, like the real Ronaldo, the proper Ronaldo, mm. uh, who was without doubt the most scary attacking threat in world football, 
came out and he was like a zombie. Yeah, 98. He had the the 90 before or something. Yeah. And he and was he, just, you couldn't understand what was going on with yeah, that. It was, it, was, it was like it was, he was drugged or something. Like he was drugged. And I felt that we, I, if, if the story had broken afterwards that, well, listen, we were keeping it quiet, but basically all the lads had a terrible dose of the shits for the last 48 yeah. hours because of the food that we ate or food poisoning or something because they were so off it that I was assuming there was going to be some story that would break. They, they were trying to keep quiet. It was it was that level of weird how bad it was. It was. It genuinely was. Like everything was wrong. They they weren't snapping into tackles. They weren't snapping the passes to each other. When they did snap them to each other, they just overhit them by a million miles. There was there was a couple of really bad passes in that first half that were simple passes, like simple balls through the line. I I've been watching Thiago play for well over a decade now, and I'm not sure I've ever seen him misplace some of the passes. That he did tonight. Like he, he he was the kind of on the ball. He was the most ninety eight Ronaldo esque, just like, as if he was just on complete autopilot. Um, the, I'm glad you you mentioned the the one on one with with Lacelso because Ali is just phenomenal. Now Naby is dreadful. With I don't know whether it's a pass that he overhits to Fabinho or a pass that he underhits to the centre backs, but either way, he just gifted it straight to to them. Um, but Ali's just phenomenal. And how often have we seen him this season in 1v1s just come up massive? That's why we paid a world record fee for him at the time. That's why we gave him a big new contract in the summer. He is the best in the world. Like You can name whoever you want. And I, I love the likes of Black, even if he had a bad season. But Becker is just on a different a different planet to them all right now. And the funniest thing was... Lacelso was crying about it. It was his own bad touch that sort of stopped him getting the ball. If he'd been able to lift the ball past Ali, he might have gotten the penalty. But he actually scuffs his touch, and Ali just comes out and takes everything. And then what well, it winds me up. Lacelso lies on the floor, rolls around for a little bit, gets up after a bit of treatment, walks with a limp, quite a pronounced limp, round behind and over to the touchline. And then as soon as the referee tells him to come on, he comes running back on like he's grand, not a bother to him, no limp, everything's fine. And then starts giving the referee an earful. Um, magic sponge, mate. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. But Well, the yeah, magic sponge the ma- the magic sponge must have been broken out at half time because let's just talk about this. Uh, I'll get a take from both of you. Uh because I, I, Dave, in, when you were chatting about earlier on, I'll start with you. When you were chatting about earlier on, you were talking about okay, there's if you if you really do want to break it down to one particular thing that's really help, uh, sort of hamstringing us, it's the fact that the ball can't stick at the top end of yeah. the pitch. So you'd have to say uh, hats off to Kloppo for getting that shout right in terms of getting a man on the park who could do that and who could then carry the ball forward and actually create a little bit of a threat that's number one number two was yeah those midfielders were so particularly awful and and so you can understand certain people saying well we might want to change it up here 
But again, just to echo the point you made earlier on, little bit of credit has to go to the manager again because he showed faith in the people who he knew he had selected because they could fucking play the ball and control the midfield, and they started to do it. Uh, so there was a, 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 you could you could look at it as a gamble, Dave, or you could look at it as a kind of a faith in the fact that he knows what he's got with those guys. Well, here's the thing: if it was one of them playing poorly. I could understand, you know, take yeah. him off, bring someone else on. But it was the collective. And that tells me it's not an individual issue. It's a team issue. So yeah. why is the midfield struggling now? If they're all struggling, it's not because one of them's playing badly. It's because the whole team is struggling. So yeah. you start looking for reasons. Well, number one, look how deep our defensive line is. Why is our defensive line that deep? Because every time we try and get the ball out, it comes straight back. Number two, our midfield constantly looks at a position. Well, why do they look at a position? Well, because every time we attack, we turn the ball over re- really easily, and now they're having to shuttle back into position. So you, you could break it down to what the problem was. The ball was not sticking up front. There was no out ball for us. There was no way to relieve a bit of pressure, no way to do what we always do, which is just take two, three minutes off the clock. Let's just knock it around. Let's calm things down. Instead, we were, it was like we were kicking the ball against the side of, of the house. It was up and straight back at us with a bit more force. Yeah. And our midfield was basically having to play two games at once. So credit to Klopp. Like, as I said, again, you've got a lot of people saying, oh, he'll, he'll tear into them at half time." No, he won't, because that's not what's needed here. What's needed here is a calming voice. What's needed here is the arm around the shoulder and the the reaffirmation that, lads, you're brilliant footballers. What are you doing here? You're making yourselves look bad. We, we know there's no lack of application in our team. So screaming at them doesn't help. Exactly. Calming it's it's, it's not an attitude problem is the point, exactly. isn't it? It's That's not the thing. I saw people yeah. saying... Oh, the attitude's all wrong. And I thought, what are you watching? You're not Jesus. watching the game. You're watching the scoreline. Because here's the thing, right? If that second goal goes in, or doesn't go in, rather, we go in at halftime 1-0. Have we played any better or worse? No. But the perception is much different. That's why I always say, if you're going to watch a game back to ac- accurately judge it, watch it without the goals. You can go on Scout and you can remove the goals from large clips of games. Do that. And look at the actual fundamental issues that are happening here. Look at where the problems are and then eliminate the problem. And unfortunately for Diogo Jota, because it could just as easily have been Mane, they were the biggest problem because every time the ball went into them, they just coughed it straight back up. Now, Mane at least has that aggressive nature about him to go and win it back. And if you're going into a scrap, if you were walking into a black, uh, you know, a dark alley, and you knew there were some, you know, ruffians at the other end. One of the lads in our team that you'd want with you is Sadio. Because you know that that boy is fearless, and you know he'll be right up there, right up for the scrap. You'd want Virgil for a bit of height. You'd want Fabinho because he's a tough, gnarly bastard. You'd want Robbo because everybody needs a Robbo in their in their gang. What you here's the thing, right? You don't need in a scrap like tonight, when you go behind, you don't need 11 lads. What you need is three or four absolute motherfuckers. Three or four bastards who will be more than happy to dig in with you 
And that's what we got tonight. We had those bastards in our team and they came out in the second half. And Diaz has a bit of that about him as well. He gets on and he's going at that right back. And not only that, he's needling them as well. And he's, he's he's starting to get at the referee and chat to the referee. He can't he can't stop me. He's pulling me back. He can't stop me. He's pulling me back. And all of a sudden, Foyt's head goes completely. And he's charging in on Diaz. And Diaz is skipping by him in a way down the line. This is the type of mentality you need. You don't need to be bringing on passion merchants, which is what people were crying out. That wasn't a game for passion. That was a game for fight. And it was a game for calm heads. And that's what we got second half. And that's what Klopp will have given them at half time. The calming voice. Lads, we've been here. We know how it is to win a Champions League semi-final. You were 3-0 down against Barcelona with Lionel Messi playing out of his mind. You came back. We've done this over and over and over again. That's all they needed to hear. And you could see it in them. They came out second half and there was a different focus about them. Yeah. And they came out backing themselves. Klopp backed them. They backed themselves. And it was night and day. And Carl, just to give you a, ch- a chance to, to to talk about that particular intervention, because it is, as Dave says, night and day, and you and I are going to talk about the run-up to the first goal and the first goal of the second half in a minute. But as you were watching that, I mean, were you thinking, because I think an awful lot of people could be forgiven for thinking, oh, listen, there's an awful lot of people, and you know, kind of front and centre, because he's always so looking to get on the ball and make these passes, was the likes of Thiago, and you could see that um, Jurgen had played the other two lads there in the team in, in the most recent game, and I think it would have been understandable, an awful lot of people would have thought he probably needs to change it up in midfield as well. Were you one of those, or had you a different sort of plan in mind or were you uh, as well equally screaming for Diaz like we were uh, Diaz yeah first of all I think I think he should have started anyway but um, agreed besides the point like we, we should be okay with whichever of the forwards we do start with we're, we're fortunate enough to have five really good ones of, of different types at least five um, in midfield I was surprised Henderson didn't start but uh, not because of uh, performance style or playing style or anything like that, just looking at the Newcastle game and the fact that both Cater and him started, they've been the two who have been rotated regularly and it was Henderson who played fewer minutes and Cater played the whole 90. So normally we would then see Naby not play this one or yeah. at least not from the start. Uh, I don't think that it was... I don't think it was necessarily a case of needing to make a change in midfield at half-time for personnel or anything like that because people like Thiago and Fabinho, Keita, even Henderson, to be perfectly honest, if they have a rubbish first half in any game, any weekend or whatever, <laughs> they haven't got to that point in their career because of one really good half. You know, it's it's doing the same things over and over again in training every week, every day, and in the trust of the coaches and the managers and the teammates and all the rest of the thing. And because they work in the team, when you're in a successful team, it's because you do it very, very well over and over again. And as obviously supporters, we... Uh, that both the the greatness and the weakness of us is that we look at the result and we have to get the result and that weekend's result makes us happy or not for that week and that's kind of what you look at that's what you want to happen in that hour in that hour and a half in whatever period of time it is that you're looking for a sub or a goal or a result you know and so it is natural that yes you look for things must change but personnel isn't always the first way that a coach or a 
Um, you know, anybody, in, in fact, probably even the players themselves wouldn't even be looking for subs straight away. They would know that there would be issues in the game that they weren't doing in the first half. Like I keep saying, the, the patterns of play that we didn't see in the first half, and then we saw about 15 times in the first 10 minutes, probably not even 10 minutes in the second half. That's what we weren't doing. It's not that the people are different. It's not that the people weren't playing. It's not that Henderson instead of Cato or Henderson instead of Fabinho or anyone, whichever of them were playing, would have been looking to do those same patterns of play, playing in the same way, getting the ball in the same areas of the pitch, making the runs into the same spaces, because that's what they do week in and week out. And it doesn't matter which ones of them play in midfield or up front. It doesn't matter if it's Matip or Kanate. They still do things in the same area when everybody is in form and playing well. And that's what has made us win all those games. So it isn't just a matter of personnel. And Klopp has just now said after the game, I just had a quick listen to what you were saying there. Uh, and aside from the, you know, talking about Villarreal and everything, he said the reason for bringing Diaz on was not because of a Jota performance, but to get people doing things in different areas of the pitch. Mane obviously drops a little bit deeper, but we didn't want to push Danny Parejo quite so high upfield. He was getting on the ball uh, a little bit too close to their forwards, he was saying. So they wanted to almost stand the opposite side of him as such. So to force him in between the centre backs, make him have the ball a little bit deeper. He said he went to Peter Kravitz and said, you know, we, we know we're not doing the patterns of play very, very well. Go and find one that we did in the first half perfectly. Show them what we need to do again. And Gravitz came back and said, come find one. There wasn't one there in the first half. So it was wow. literally a matter of showing them what they weren't doing. And mm. that's what we had to get back to doing, obviously. It's what, you, it's what training is for all week long. We don't see that side of it, but that's what we do. It's practicing those movements and practicing where you pick up the ball and where your automatic passes have got to be repetitions, repetitions, repetitions. It sounds dead boring, but that's how you become a really, really cohesive team. And that's what we got back to doing in the second half. Subs have nothing to do with it. You know, you're so right, because uh, the proof of that is in the way that this second half pans out. The change is made, Diaz for Jota. And on 48 minutes, um, there's a repetition of that one we saw in the first half where uh, I think it was Jota had a little bit of a dribble uh, connection with a free kick. This time it was Sadio who couldn't get much of a touch on a, a Trent free that dropped across a load of heads onto his foot and he just couldn't direct it. It was uh, it, almost an instinctive stick your leg out thing. Uh, Torres then, really interesting, took Trent completely out of it. Trent was at full stretch and crossed the ball. Torres comes through him after Trent has kicked the ball. I'm sorry, but in anyone's language, that's a penalty. We didn't even talk about it. BT didn't want to talk about it. No outrage about it. I was assuming that when I saw the replay, I'd see a situation where uh, either Torres had played the ball or something like that. But no, he just cleans him out of it after Trent has crossed the ball um, at full stretch out of play weird moment feel free to chat about it if you want to but now we start to see this liverpool proper start uh trent puts a cross for Ruley, who has to punch it away he shouldn't do that then there's an easy one uh that trent puts into him to catch about a minute later in 53 minutes but now we start really going for it. trent hits the bar on 54 a free kick is rolled to him. Uh, he drives one at goal. Coquelin deflects it onto the bar. But we are back in the game on the night and ahead in the tie when Fabinho, of all people, scores in 61 minutes, Carl. Uh, it's a far better spell. That, get, that spell of football between that chance that I just described on 56 
and the goal itself in 61, we are dominating. We're doing all those things you were talking about, those patterns of play you 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 alluded to. Um, it was good possession football from the Reds, and Fabinho found himself played in on the right. I think it was by Mo Salah. He looked up and across because obviously it's Fab. He's on the right-hand side of the box. The first thing he's going to think of is, I better pass this. And then decides to drive it straight at goal and drives it at the keeper. And unfortunately for him, it goes underneath him between his legs and into the back of the net. Uh, it was a moment of massive relief and it actually felt very transformative, Carl, as a moment because of how dominant we were for that first, whatever that is, 15 minutes or so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it was a little bit different, I suppose, that it was Fabinho who got into that position. But basically, that's exactly what we'd been looking to do, isn't it? Get the ball into those uh, number eight sort of areas, looking for the fullbacks to get on the ball in those kind of areas where they can cross or they can uh, play the one-two and get in behind or whatever it is. So we had a different runner that time, which maybe actually leads to the the big opening because obviously Cater would normally be making that run or Salah would be making that run and maybe they were occupied by the defenders from those zones anyway. So. Um, really intelligent if that's the case from Fabinho to make that run into the gap I, I like the fact that he said after the game I was going to put it across because I was screaming at him to play it first time low to the back post and you just want I think it was Mane sliding in there uh, but yeah really really nice finish just basically leathered it I think as hard as he could I don't think there was too much finesse or intent about it other than get it on target and maybe the goalkeeper gambles that it's going to be across anyway and leaves that post exposed. Rui this is what he is, you know, he's been this for years. He's a really good shot stopper in terms of reflexes and, you know, if things are coming at him at an awkward height and he's very bouncy and he's got decent stretch if he's jumping through the air and all the rest of it. We see that later on, for example, with the Curtis Jones shot, but his decision-making has never been that good. His basics, I suppose you can call them sometimes, uh, leaves a bit to be desired and at the very least for, well, two of the goals tonight, I think. But this one, as a as a starting point, you can't be doing what he's done. You know, it's it's fairly routine, I think, what he sh- should be doing there. It's not the most difficult of um, efforts. I'm very, very glad it was him. Yeah, you've got to stand up in Can I play situation. devil's advocate here? Go on. Because I don't think it's as bad as that from him now it's bad look he should do better but fab looks across the box as if he's going to cross it and then glances at the keeper and realizes he's trying to set his feet i just think it's really clever from fab i don't think really expected him to shoot from there i think he looked at him and saw him look across at the cross and thought he's going to cross this and he was trying to get his feet ready to move back across the goal and fab just catches him he should do better, but I I don't think it's. But that's what's wrong for me. That's what's wrong for me. You don't you don't gamble. You got to hold your ground. That's I know, but I, I I I agree, and we know he's not a great goalkeeper. We know this is what he is. He's he's Gattergun. He's he's very very unpredictable and unreliable. But one of the things that has worked has worked for him to get him to this point in his career is that he does gamble and he does take chances. And more often than not, they actually work out for him. But th- this is why he's not at a top club. This is why he's at, with respect, a Real. It's because he is 
too unreliable in situations. But I just think Fabinho does really well. I think Fab just gives him the eyes, has a glance, and leathers it. Yeah, it's definitely credit to Fabinho there, no question about it. Even just for the run, like I said, to get into that position to to exploit the space that was left there. And then when you're in that position, there's nothing wrong. We're going for it. You, you don't buy a ticket. You don't get the rewards, do you? So we needed something to happen. And we already know that from the first leg, it took us a lot of really, really carefully constructed, typical moves. And it still took us a bit of a, uh, a lucky deflection to take the lead anyway. So trying something out of the ordinary, 100% behind that. You know, the... Uh... I I don't have the half by half breakdown, but uh, just looking at my notes here, I think the truth of of what I, I the feeling that I had uh, was was is borne out by them. I think there may be one dangerous um, cross at at one stage by uh, who the hell was it? I can't remember, but it was a, a cross, a, an in swinging cross, and I think that's as close as they get to a chance because they've they take it on from that point with you. Uh, Etienne Kapui picks up a, a yellow for a, a late challenge on Fab at 63 minutes. This will become important later, kids. 65 minutes, Diaz skips inside Voith, uh, his uh, and and then does Kapui as well, and his shot deflects off Albiol and hits the post. And you're just going, this is the magic man. This is the guy we want. He's creating absolute chaos uh, from that uh, corner, actually. Uh, Ibu Kanate heads very narrowly wide. So we're racking up the chances now. We're racking up the opportunities. And just a minute later, it is 2-2 and it is Diaz. Uh, Trent had cut in on the right-hand side, uh, cut back and swung one in with his left foot. Beautiful shape on it. Diaz with the header. It's a weird connection that he makes with it. And yet again, it seems to go underneath and between the legs of uh, of the keeper. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to worry about the aesthetics of it because we're bouncing now because we're in the final. That's it. The game is over now. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And when you think about the turnaround there, you think about the dominance from the very beginning of that half, the possession football, the imposing of our style on it, uh, the uh, character shown by those guys who had stunk the place out to get back on the ball and do the simple things like I was talking Mm. about earlier on. That's the reward you get. And yes, of course, you add in the chaos merchant, the magic man, and that works and that helps. But it's more about just the consistency of excellence in doing those basic things right, isn't it? It is. Like, our greatness is built on our fundamentals. Manchester United dominated English football for, for decades, for two decades. Not because of individual brilliance, but because they were unbelievably good at the fundamentals. They played it really simple. And they just did things better than the opposition. And as I said, that's all Klopp had to get into our lads. Just do your fundamentals. You know your patterns of play. You know what you're meant to do. You know where you're meant to be. You know what runs you're meant to make. And you idiots know what passes you're meant to make. So just fucking make them. And in the second half, we did. Like, in the second half, we did. And and Diaz just, he, he had, at this point, he'd been on the pitch 20 minutes and he had just turned Juan Foyt from what was, you know, looking like a dominant right back in the first half into a quivering mess who had no idea where he was meant to be. 
And, you know, like you said, he cut inside, had that shot that took the big deflection and could have found its way in. And then he, he just times his run perfectly. It's a gorgeous little ball in from Trent, right foot, left foot. It doesn't matter to that lad, does it? Like his delivery is just second to none, absolutely second to none. Shout out to all the Chelsea fans tweeting about Reese James being better than Trent at <laughs> halftime. Your boy, your boy dropped a three out of 10 against Everton at the weekend, yeah. and Anthony Gordon was made to look like George Best in his prime. So, hush. Uh, sensational cross. It's weird. It's a weird header. But it finds its way in, and that's the only thing that matters, is that it found its way in. And at that point, like you said, barring some catastrophic collapse, we were we were in the final. And again, we've got to give credit to Klopp here, because he makes the one change at halftime, it would have been easy for him on 55-60 to say, right, we're going to make another one here. We're going to bring on Henderson in midfield here because we've got an advantage now and we want a bit more drive from midfield. But he didn't. He just let these boys play. And when you let these lads play, that's the result you get. When they're in the groove and in the mood for it, they tear teams apart. And again, it's worth emphasizing, that's a very good defensive team that we cut open constantly in that second half. Now, they got a bit ragged after after the second goal went in. They they really did open up and try and take the game to us, but we just kept taking the ball off them and turning around and, and carving them up. So, yeah, like Diaz was Diaz was sensational when he came on. And as I said, he, he's just, he's so much fun. And then he's so fucking good at the same time. I, I have to say a couple of things. I had a little moment because, you know, I, I do admire his record immensely, but I did have a little moment at one point of thinking, is there really any need for that tie and that outfit, specifically that outfit, which makes uh, the opposing manager look even more like Dracula? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I kind of hope he's just playing up to it at this point. I really hope he is because he's wearing that thing and it's got the club crest right in the middle of the tie and it looks like a medallion that Dracula's wearing. I'm thinking, dude, that's just... Okay, but fair play. And another, uh, in terms of another managerial-based comment, I've just seen here, uh, Jimbo Pierce has said that uh, Klopp ended his press conference by saying... Congratulations to Nat Phillips, by the way, because Bournemouth had secured promotion back to the Prem tonight. Uh, and of course, when you think about what Nat Phillips did to contribute to the fact that we're even in this freaking competition, I think... Uh, hey, Trav, you've gone wrong here. You've gone wrong here. You, you, what you need to do is you need to open up your Twitter account and you, you need to tweet this exact phrase. Let's not forget, let's not forget, we wouldn't even be in the Champions League without these two. These two are the unsung heroes. And then a picture of Nat Phillips and Reese uh, Williams. You're guaranteed 1,500 likes, yeah. about two and a half, two and a half, 250 retweets, and, and plenty of good comments. That's how you give real... Look, we can make it all about ourselves. Nico yeah. Williams went to Fulham and they won the championship. Nat Phillips went to, went to uh, Brentford and they finished second, as far as I'm concerned. Neither of those things would have happened without our two players. So in theory, we've come first and second in the championship as well as what we're doing uh, <laughs> so you know if we're going to make it about we you know we're always accused of making it about ourselves so yeah you know do it we right. might as well continue to do it we might as well lean yeah. into it lean um, into it 
Yeah. No, uh, to be fair, and I watched. I had the um, I had the 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 forest uh, Bournemouth game on the other screen. I was really hoping for Forest win, but Bournemouth played really well, and Nat had himself a good game. So, congrats to him. Congrats to Nico, and hopefully, you know that those two work out permanent moves to those clubs. And now that they're both Premier League clubs, well, don't they get charged Premier League money now for those two players? So that'll be. 15 million from you, Bournemouth, and probably 18 million from you, Fulham, because, you know, Nico's a Welsh international at this point, so that comes at a premium itself. I will take both of those fees. Thank you very much. And, Carl, like, the, the dominance can't be understated uh, for the remainder of the match. And what I liked about it was we just, it was, I think it was because they were probably so collectively traumatized by the first half, they just put their foot on the opposition's neck. We were just going for it till the very last whistle. We are 3-0 up after um, two subs come on for them, Pedraza and Chikwesi, I think, for uh, Coquelin and Moreno. Uh, and uh, just as Lo Celso's diving around again, we go three goals to two up to make it 5-2 on aggregate. It is Sadio Mane. He's basically running onto a ball that's um, hit forward from uh, his own... He's running forward from his own half. They were checking it for offside, but, you know, he's in his own half as the pass is played. Uh, he runs onto it, uh, manages to get past the keeper, then pass Foyth, and then bury it with his left back the way uh, he came from uh, into the right-hand corner of the net. That was, Carl, the 139th goal of the season, a new club record, which had been held for a, quite a while, I think by Kenny's 85, 86 team, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's a little bit of icing on a, a very strange cake. Um, and before you and I see the match out and the one or two incidents that are left, just talk to me a little bit about the goal itself so that we can uh, mark it because it means we win the tie on the night, so it has a certain significance, Carl, that I like. It's like, you know, okay, you've get, you've, we were awful and you gave us a bit of spanking in the first half, but here's how things really are. Um, like, you know, this team has done so often. So it does have a little bit of importance and it's worth marking. Yeah, for sure. It's also a really long time since we'd actually won a Champions League or European Cup semi-final away from home leg i read it before the match and i can't for the life of me remember what the last one was now but you think of all the ones that we've got through under jürgen we've not won the away leg there and yeah you know it's quite some time before that even the chelsea and that under under benitez i don't think we won either of those away from home so that's a bit of a marker in itself 1984 someone says there in the chat so thanks very much for that so that's a nice thing in itself um i think like dave said after the second goal they had started to get really ragged and you know leaving a forward to run from his own half and nobody's goal side of him, probably not ideal. Uh, your goalkeeper 40 yards from goal, probably not ideal. And then Juan Foyt with nobody in goal can still block or direct Mane away from goal or at least be in the way, opts to slide, tackle him. Again, not ideal. So, I mean, it was, it was you know, the tie was done by that point, but it was a kind of, uh, you know, here's like you say here's the order of things here's you know how you can actually see off a game i think we have to make the point as well i'm still not 100 percent sure 
that when we came out after halftime, obviously we were going to try and do our thing, right? We were going to try and do all the things that I spoke about there in terms of the patterns and where we have the ball and all the rest of it. But I don't know how much was that and how much was their decision to sit back. Because at that point, they didn't have to chase the game. And I think that Emery and everybody else would have known that had they kept trying to play a really, really high tempo, had tried to still have possession high upfield and win the ball back as aggressively as they did, at some point they'd get caught. And one of those passes from Trent or Virgil or Thiago in the first half were going wrong, they would have gone right and there would have been a finish at some point. So I don't know that they contributed to their own downfall as well mm. um, by trying to maybe bed in, maybe not quite as much as they did in the first leg, but sitting back and being a little bit more attack-minded if they could, but you know, not really going for it in the same way as they did. I, I, I think that that was a big, big mistake from them. I don't know how much, like I say, was completely down to that, because obviously we were loads better and we were always going to be a bit, bit better. But I... I will watch this back, but I think that they have uh, harmed themselves here by taking that approach that they did in the second half. But I, I think you're dead, right? Could, but I don't know if they could sustain that. Yeah, exactly. For much that's, longer that's because like, by the know, end of the did. first half, they um, what's his face? The, the striker Moreno. Moreno was 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 on one leg. I mean, he was he he was walking by the end of the first half, and it's it's very very difficult for ten lads. For, for nine outfield players to do that level of work for 10 players because you're carrying a passenger. So I, I I just, like, I think Carl's right. I think they had to sit back. I think they made a, what they thought was a calculated decision to sit back and maybe hope that we'd open up a little bit and they'd catch us on the counter. But as Carl said, we, we've got too many lads that are too good. And at one point or another, Trent, Virgil, Thiago, Naby, someone was going to catch them with a pass open the defence up, and that was going to be game over. Yeah. It's pick um, your poison with Liverpool. It really yeah. is. Come, come and attack us and see what happens on the counter. And with Diaz coming on, we we're going to be more dangerous on the counter. Or sit off us and let us come at you, and then you're in big trouble. Well, what I liked about it, and I've said this already, is that the game's obviously dead. It was dead after the Diaz goal. It's stone dead after Sadio's goal. But what I liked about it was it was like our players were making a collective effort to exercise the ghosts of that first half because, okay, Trent picks up a yellow, I think, on 76 minutes. But that also marks this solitary moment in the second half where uh, from the free kick, there's a Danny Parejo inswinger that goes narrowly-ish wide of Ali's left post. I'm sure he gets to it if he needs to. But that's the closest that they get to any kind of attacking effort in that second half, unless I'm very unless I'm very much mistaken. And that just shows the dominance. They bring on two more subs in 78. Like it's kind of, you know, what's the point at this stage? I think I think it might even be three. I think they bring on uh Trigueros, the um Aurier and uh Definitely, I think somebody else came on as well. We brought on three, two Curtis, Hendo, Simicus all came on, and Nabi, Thiago, and Robbo going off. And within like a, a minute of being on the park, his very first touch, uh, Curtis Jones has a shot stopped by the keeper's trailing leg. Henderson centers it to him, the other man who's come onto the pitch. 
And again, I'm not 100% sure about the keeper here because he seems to be diving away from the ball and it's almost more incidental that that, that, that he stops it with his leg. But it, it stop it, he does. And so that's all that matters. Lo Celso finally picks up a yellow card, which is well-earned uh, for going in late on Fabinho on 81. Uh, we bring on Milner for that man, uh, Fabinho, uh, two minutes later. Uh, Torres, with the wildest of challenges on Sadio, nearly halves him as Sadio had skinned him on the turn uh, and he gets a yellow for it. Uh, Kapue picks up his second yellow um, for a late challenge in Curtis and it's getting very wild and you're just hoping nobody gets you know badly hurt before the game is over. Uh, 86 min- minutes, Henderson tries one from distance uh, after a couple of blocking efforts by Mo and Diaz and then on 89 it's a really good move and we're, we're playing to the whistle right down to the whistle again like I said uh, and it ends with a really kind of disappointing effort from Salah uh, when he had options uh, elsewhere. So just to get a final uh, sum up from both of you then, because there's no point in, in, in going into too much of those incidents. They're almost non-events. Let me do the usual and finish up the show with your with your takes. Uh, Dave, I'll start with you. Uh, overall takeaway from the match then and um, anything you want to just mention that we haven't really gone into in any detail uh, and then just let people know what's going up for you in the week. Uh- Trev, I, I just, I, I've just seen this this foam hand that has been released. <laughs> I really want to buy one for Carol. Um, now I'm more a fan of the the foam finger. You know, the, you know, the, the bigger hand with the one finger. I think that's a better look. At these, <laughs> You'll be getting a slap around the face with it if you do. <laughs> if, I can get hold of your, if I can get your address, buddy, there's going to be one of them winging its way to your house. You best believe it. <laughs> um, no, look, look. Like I said, we we were as bad as we could be in the first half, and we came out the other side with a dominant second half performance. That really and truly. We should have scored five in that second half. You know, we missed a couple of good chances. The Curtis one, Henderson does really well with the cutback. And Curtis, if he put it anywhere else, it goes in. And the keeper will get credit for a save. But he dived clean over that ball. It was very, very lucky that it, it hopped up and hit him. Yeah, um, blessed. We seemed, we seemed very desperate to get Mo a goal as well. And obviously, that I think that cost us a couple of good opportunities. But... We were we were just different class second half. We were we were outstanding, and I think the the Milnerson midfield combo was used really well tonight to just come on and see out a game. And that that you know we've talked about Henderson taking over the Milner role. There's been talk that Milner might stay another year, and if with five subs next year, I'm not against bringing the two of them on at the same time with with ten fifteen minutes left just to see out games. Henderson with his with his running. And his, his ability to pass the ball and Milner with his ability to just volley people up in the air. I have to say, very disappointed in James tonight. There was a, a prime opportunity to volley Giovanni Lacelso all the way back to North London and yeah. he let it slide. I think they got a little bit fortunate as well, because Pau Torres should have been sent off for the yeah. for the foul on on Nabi or on Mane on the halfway line. That's a blatant red card. Um Kapue the poor fella, I feel sorry for him. Like he, he talked up Anfield and you know how it was like to play in hell. He was interviewed after he was asked about it. He said it was like playing in hell. And then tonight he he gets himself sent off and his team go out. So it's been a it's been a bad week for him. But what a what a great time for us. I mean, 
we're, we've got two finals now to be excited about. We've got the league, and the league is going to be what it's going to be. Either either we're going to win the league or we're going to finish second. And there's all we can do is win our games and hope that City drop points. And if they don't, then fair play to them. But we've got two finals now to be really excited about. And with a bit of luck, we'll have at least three trophies at the end of this season, if not four. And what a season that would be. What a season. We're going to play every possible game this season. And more of this, more of this, Reds. Get one or two more in the summer and more of this. Get to the late stages of them all because it's so much more fun when you're competing on all fronts. It's so much more fun when you're late into the Champions League. And by the way, Virgil van Dijk joined Liverpool four and a half years ago. He has played three and a half seasons as a Liverpool player because we don't count last year because he was out after five games. This is his third Champions League final in three and a half seasons. And the one season he didn't make the Champions League final, well, he led us to the most dominant Premier League title win of all time. So, you know, what a player. Salah, three Champions League finals in five years. We're just, we're so blessed with this team. We're so blessed with Klopp. This is his third Champions League final with us. Fourth overall, counting the one with Dortmund. That matches Alex Ferguson's entire career total of Champions League finals, which is a hell of an effort. I think he's the first manager to ever reach the final of a Champions League FA Cup and League Cup in the same season, which is a hell of an effort. And all things considered, you know, this team is just, is a different class, a different class. And we saw why tonight. We really did, man. And in t- uh, last word from you on uh, what people can expect from you during the week, just to let them know. Uh, two-footed pod every day at 4 p.m., daily red every day at lunchtime. And uh, myself and Gags will get together and do an old, an old school now that uh, the final is confirmed and, and Gags has his plane and hotel, I believe, booked. He's just hoping now for a match day ticket, but uh, he'll be there. I'm sure Eddie will go as well, whether he gets a ticket or not. And there'll be plenty of, of Anfield Index representation in Paris because I know Harinder's going too. So, you know, up the Reds. Oh, it's so good. I, I, I'm just now realising that we're in the Champions League final. You know that kind of way? I've, I've been sort of clenching all the way through uh, this run. And Carl, it is something to enjoy, man. It's something to... Uh, uh, hopefully bring us more happiness before the end of the season with the opportunity, these two one-off games. And as Dave said, what will be will be with the league. Uh, you know, um, but it's just ridiculously exciting. Just to get your sum-up th- thoughts on, on tonight's game and anywhere you want to go else with comments and then uh, let folks know at the very end. Uh, what they can expect from you over the next few days uh, ahead of the Spurs match. Yeah, important to always, I think, bear in mind um, what we've said several times on this podcast, that as much as we might expect Liverpool to beat certain teams, you've got to remember that the whole point of these victories is um, the enjoyment of the journey, the, the runs, the cup runs that we've had, and the chance to win trophies. So appreciate it basically uh, don't just take the fact that they are so so good for granted on a, such a regular basis it's been a big effort in each of the individual competitions in really different ways but in the champions league obviously especially to get to the final you don't have a divine right to be there you don't have the the right just because you are one of the two best teams in europe to get to the final so absolutely make the most of the build up for it and soak it all in and take the piss out of your co-workers who support other bad 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 sides you know do it all because it, it 
it's unbelievable what's happening with Liverpool at the moment. This has not happened for a long, long time for this club and certainly not to this extent. So do make the most of it and do appreciate it and do really, really enjoy it. All, all the build-up and all the matches in the meantime. Um, in terms of the game itself, I liked Klopp subs. I think in general, all of them were pretty good. I'm glad Curtis got a run. I'm glad Milner got to play Champions League semi-final. I think it was right that Costas came on because I think Robertson was maybe one of the ones who did not have their best days out. And above all else, I think at this point it is a almost right-in-stone must that Luis Diaz starts all of the big games which are left, including both of the finals that we've got. Yeah, that's an interesting one because it's always nice to have the real impact from the bench. It's a lovely luxury to have, but I'd be in agreement with you there. And just to wrap it up then for yourself, um, what is to come from you between now and Spurs? Uh, yeah, we'll have the Spurs scouted, of course. Uh, I will have usual European piece before the weekend on the Indy, and I may well be compelled to write something on this game as well. I think you should, and I look forward to reading if you do. We are going to get out of here, folks. That Dave Hendrick, I've been Trev Downey. Thanks for whatever format you are doing currently. Uh, we appreciate you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.